Uh, so the next few Sunday mornings, uh, we want to, I want to, we will be examining the life of Gideon. All right, a pretty uh, remarkable judge, and he's really a contrast. He's a studying contrast. Uh, he was quite the character. On one hand, he was man of great courage. Who here has read about Gideon? Let's just see. All right. The rest of you, you know what's coming next Sunday, all right? Get ahead on me. Read it, all right? He was a man of great courage. He led just a handful of men against a great host, a way more superior army, and won a victory. On the other hand, he was a man filled with doubts, fears, and questions. He was a man who questioned God's plan, yet he did God's will. He questioned it, but he did it. And I think there's lots of applications for us this morning from God's Word, uh, principles to apply to our hearts and lives, to help us live in this day and age. You know, as I was studying Gideon this week, I said, man, I'm a lot like Gideon. Because I can fear. I can be indecisive. I can have questions. I can have my doubts. But praise the Lord. The Lord is still on the throne. And he can use this in great and marvelous ways. So let's look at Judges chapter 6 and verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah and pertained on Joash the Abrazite. And his son Gideon thrust wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not? I have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee. Until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you would calm us from the busyness of this world. Help our minds to be fixed upon your word. Help our hearts to be open to receive your word. Lord, I believe there's many great lessons for us here, many great truths that we need to seize upon. Lord, I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. So the title of my message is The Call of Gideon. The Call of Gideon. Gideon was called to be a judge during a time of intense trouble in Israel. Intense. He was suffering under the grip of the Midianites. They were ruthless. They watched, the Israelites watched as the land was Stripped, bare, homes and villages were destroyed, uh, and lives were greatly endangered. 
The end of verse 6 talks about in this chapter how it was great, oh sorry, the beginning of verse 6 talks it was greatly impoverished. So the idea that this is not a great time for Israel. The people of Israel felt as though the nation was destroyed, felt that it was consumed. It was no more. Now Israel's main problem was that they counted God out. They cried out to Him, but they probably didn't believe He was going to listen. Or He was even going to pay attention. Or He was even going to help them. Now, in verse number 7, uh, well, let's just look over there. Uh, Judges 6, verse 7. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But ye have not obeyed my voice. So he sends this prophet. We don't know his name. We're not given his name. But he reminds them of the Lord's grace. Don't we need reminders of the Lord's grace? I purposely told you about what Brother Stan texted me this morning. Because sometimes we can get in the mindset that it's all doom and gloom. It's easy for us. It's very, it's our nature. Not only does, uh, so he reminds them of the Lord's grace and he reminds them to, to, to come to a place of repentance, to get right. And not only does God have a message, he also has a man. The Lord uses individuals to propagate the message, to propagate the word of God, to bring forth the gospel. And he called a man. The man is Gideon. Now his name means feller, so it's the idea he falls trees. So he's the one who cuts down. And isn't that a great name? Because the Lord's going to use him to cut down the mighty Midianites. What amazing. Uh, I never realized that until this week as I was studying out his name. So we see Gideon's situation. Uh, the verses in, in this chapter revealed to us it was a time of total poverty. This was a horrible time. It was dark. It was desperate. And uh, Gideon and his family uh, were able to hide a small amount of wheat. Not a lot. And he was thrusting it then behind the wine press. He did that to hide for the Midianites. Now, if you were re- usually would to do this work, it would be on a ground prepared on a, high, on, a, on a hill. And the idea is that you would get the, the, the wheat there and you would thresh it and you would throw up uh, the, the grain and the chaff would blow away. So that air on the hill would help remove the chaff and then you would have what you needed. But now, you know, because of the persecution as well, he's hiding. And the fact that he's threshing it by hand indicates to us it wasn't very much. It wasn't a lot. And it was like a set of time of persecution. He was hiding, threshing this because the Midianites found out even about a small part of it, small amount, they would take it with him. They were in a time of intense persecution. And he was pretty powerless too, seeing in the fact that he was hiding. You know, in verse number 11, to hide it from the Midianites. I mean, this is... Horrible time that the nation of Israel is feeling defeated. Where is God? It's a difficult time. Now, let me encourage you today. We also live in discouraging times. Difficult times. We live in days when there's lots of economic uncertainty. Just this past week, I heard about there's a recession coming. Uh, I mean, I I don't get all depressed when I first hear that in the news or anything, but... If you follow it, and if your hopes are all pegged on that, then it can be very uncertain. 
We live in a day as individual believers, those that accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Christians. We live in a day when the government and society in general are growing increasingly hostile, hostile, uh, hostile towards biblical Christianity. That's happening. You think about that all day long, you can get pretty discouraged too. We're living in a day when there seems to be little spiritual power among God's people. In some ways, we are living in times that represent. It's not the same because Gideon had it worse. There's no doubt about that. But we are living in days that resemble those of Gideon and Israel. There's, there's some similarities. We see Gideon's commission in verse number 12. He's hiding from the enemy. And then the Lord, who knows Gideon, where he is, says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, Lord is with thee, the mighty man of valor. Now, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. This is no ordinary angel, okay? This is the Lord. He comes with a word of encouragement and a hope and insurance. And he promises him that the Lord is with thee. Now, this is one of the few, not one of the few, there's many occasions in the Old Testament where Jesus appears to individuals, uh, to Adam in, in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.8, to Abraham in his tent door in Genesis 18, to Hagar in the wilderness in Genesis 16, appear to Jacob by a river in Genesis 32, to Moses in a burning bush in Exodus 3, and to the parents of Samson in Judges 13. Now, that's an exhaustive list, but those are some. The Midianites did not know where Gideon was hiding, right? They didn't know where he was. They didn't even know who Gideon is, like in the sense of, who is Gideon? But the Lord knew. The Lord knew who Gideon was. He had his eye on Gideon the whole time. Even when Gideon was unaware of it, God was with him. He was watching him. He was planning for his future. This morning, the truth should comfort our hearts that he is with us as well. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And here's even a better promise in John chapter 14, verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you, and shall be in you. That shall be with you, and in you, and I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In every situation in you are in, every valley you are in, every burden you bear, every mountain you cross, the Lord is with you. That should give us encouragement this morning, individual believer, and as a church family together, corporately, to know that the Lord is with us. Now, Gideon could not see it, nor could he sense it, and he sure didn't look like it, but the Lord was going to use him in powerful ways. And the same is true in our lives. If we ever grasp the truth that when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, we are then immediately indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We don't believe that we get it later. We believe at the very moment of asking Jesus Christ in our heart and life, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. At that moment. So at that moment, He dwells us and He's with us for the rest of our lives. And through Him, we have access to the unbelievable power of God. We forget that sometimes. Actually, I think we forget it a lot. But if we would remember and we start walking like that, boy, we would be different Christians. It would change our lives. God's perception. Then the Lord said something that's truly amazing. He looks at Gideon and says, and calls him a mighty man of valor. So let's just remember the story now. He's hiding. He's hiding, taking care of grain in a place that you would never take care of grain. And that's why he's there, because the Midnights wouldn't look there. He, he's there taking care of the grain. 
He's afraid of the enemy. He's in hiding. He's full of fear. And the Lord says unto him, you're a mighty man of valor. I'm going to use you. That doesn't really make sense that he's a mighty man of valor, does it? In our eyes, in human eyes. But this is not human eyes. This is the Lord looking at Gideon and says, I can use you. I can use you in a great way. He knows them. You know that the Lord knows you. He knows you. He knows you far better than you even know yourself. You find reference to that in uh, Psalms 39, 139, Hebrews 4.13. What does God see when He sees you? I mean, just think about David for a moment. Jesse, when Samuel comes... Didn't even think about his youngest son. They had a family meeting and David wasn't even invited. Talk about having some chats with dad later, right? <laughs> dad, you know, everybody, the, the prophet shows up and you won't even call me from the field until he, he makes you do it. I mean, the family looked at David and saw just a youngling. When God looked at David, he saw a king. When Gideon's family looked at him, they saw a weakling. They didn't see any strength. When God saw him, he saw a warrior. You see, the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, but for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He knows what we will be when he gets through with us. Amen. If we'll let him get through with us, the best thing you can do is to take your life who you are, take your problems, take your failures, you take your shortcomings, and you put them all in the hands of God. That's the best thing for you to do. That's the only thing you should do. That's the best course of action. And He's able to take us as we are and make us into something great through His power. Not through our determination or our discipline, though we need to have discipline, and though we need to be strengthening and, and growing in our Christian life. He is the one. His power. And He can do amazing things through us. We see Gideon's turmoil here in verses 13 to 16. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen us? When Gideon hears the words, he's amazed. I almost get visions where he almost fell over. I'm a mighty a man of valor. What are you talking about? And he can't see how the Lord could possibly be talking about him, so he begins to question the Lord. Gideon wants to know, first of all, this, he questions God's presence. What proof can you prove to me that you're God? I mean, you know, we, we all we experience is defeat. That's all we experience. Gideon wants to know where the miracles are gone. Man, he's heard the stories retold and retold uh, 250 years before how uh, God had delivered Israel from Egypt and all the devastating plagues. Probably heard about how they went across the, uh, the Red Sea and the Lord made it dry and they walked through. And it's not a reed sea, it's the Red Sea. All right, he went across and dry ground. He didn't walk through a marsh. It was through the sea. The Lord opened it up. And the way they walked... And, and maybe for now, you know, 200 years ago, uh, uh, since then, since the time of, uh, of Gideon here, that he opened the Jordan River, so they walked across on dry ground too. And Gideon wants to know, where's the God who performed these miracles? Where's He gone? Now, when the Lord hears his questions, verse 14, the Lord looked upon him and said, Go on this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? 
And he said to him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. When the Lord hears his questions, he responds by telling him he will indeed save Israel. God had sent him, and he will be successful in defeating the enemies of Israel. Now, Gideon's response to that question uh, is to question the Lord. He, he tells the Lord, he, he can't be right. You can't be right. Do you know who I am? I can't be delivered because his house, his father's house is poor and no one will follow him. No one in his own father's house respects him. Now, we'll learn future message or two down the road that Gideon's father was an idolater. It may be that Gideon was an outcast from his own family because he refused to worship the false gods. Hey, I believe Gideon is a saved man, folks. God wouldn't use him unless he had faith in God. I mean, his, his faith is weak, but at some point in his life, he said, I trust God. Amen. I trust him alone. These false gods, these aren't going to do it. I need to trust God. Even though he touted it, though he couldn't see God's hand, he just still trusted God. A lot of us are like Gideon. We know the Lord wants us to serve him. We might even understand he wants us to use us for his glory, but we're so often filled with fear. We fear what the other person's going to say. We fear what the world's going to say. Sometimes, sadly, we fear what the other Christian's going to say. Fear. Then sometimes, our sense of our own inability and we refuse to trust them. Gideon did exactly what Moses did when the Lord called him from the burning bush. And both these men come up with excuses to why they can't do what the Lord is telling them to do. Both men felt like their job was over their heads. Both felt like they were inadequate for the task at hand. You know, we do the same thing today. Me, you, everybody here. We all do the same thing. We have the same problem that Gideon Moses is. We tend to focus on who we are and our problems rather than focusing on who He is. Don't we serve a mighty God? And we need to make sure that in our hearts that we believe that. That He is. Oh yeah, we might feel inadequate for the task. Uh, and without the Lord, we are weak. We are fail. We're going to fail. We, we, we're, we don't have that strength, but through God, He can do all things. I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. Is that still in the Bible? You know that God's Word has expired, right? It's good forever. His Word will stand. And His Word says that. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We need to learn to be God conscious. We need to be conscious about God. I know that I can't do nothing in myself. But I must believe that He can use me. Amen? He can use me. You know, I'm going to be really honest with you. If back... Uh, 20-some years ago when I graduated from high school, I guess that was almost 25 years ago. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting old. If we had a yearbook, I was the only graduate. I went to a private school. So every August I have a class reunion and I have a steak by myself, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, if, if they said anyone was going to write in a yearbook about me, they would never say that Pastor Alcock, well, Mark then, would be a pastor and serve the Lord in the Peel region when he was 43 years old. If someone wrote that, there would be a whole lot of laughter going on. But guess what? God did it. God did it. He can do all things. 
If I can come to a place uh, where I understand it's all about Him, it's not about me, He can use me in such a greater, greater way than if I'm trying to do it myself. Gideon isn't there yet. He's making excuses for why he can't. He tells the Lord, I can't. And the excuse is twofold. He didn't have the money and he didn't have the influence. He tells him he can't, uh, he, he can't afford to do the Lord's work. He, he tells him no one's going to follow me. I mean, I, I don't have any influence, Lord. I mean, you really need to find somebody else. You know what? I'm so glad that my God's specializing in those who seems it can't be possible through them. Amen? It's not about human strength. It's about God's power. It's through Him. 1 Corinthians one twenty six. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that many not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God have chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God have chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen. Yea, the things which are not to bring to aught that are that no flesh should glory in His presence. God wants to use you. You might sit in the pew this day and say, Pastor, I don't have much. I, I can't do much. Listen, give your life to Him. I'm not talking about a second salvation experience like once saved, always saved. Amen? Once you accept Jesus Christ your Savior, you're always saved. But we need to make sure that we are surrendering ourselves to what He has for us. And see what He will do. See what He will accomplish. Because at the end of the day, it's nothing about my flesh or your flesh. It's about Him. It's absolutely about Him. And the Word of God is full of evidences of this. Abraham, a pagan from, from Ur of the Chaldees to be the faithful, the father of Israel. Joseph, a slave to many. You know, an unnamed servant girl. To, excuse me, told, name him about God. And when he went to Jordan, uh, to, to Israel, and he got washed, he, he trusted Christ. He, I mean, he was changed. Esther, a slave, delivered Israel in the foreign land. Matthew, a tax collector, used to write the part of the Bible and the king of the Jews. Think of Saul Tarsus, Paul. Israel was crying up for a deliverer in verse 7, and God answers, and his answer is Gideon! Gideon's the answer. God used all these people and countless others throughout the years because they were available to Him to be used. That's why He used them. Let me challenge you this morning to stop making excuses while you can't do what the Lord wants you to do and just get about doing it. Hey, surrender. Have this attitude that, Lord, I am yours, whatever you would have for me. Yeah. Hey, maybe the Lord's pricking some hearts of our young people and maybe some of our older men about being a pastor. Listen and follow Him. Maybe it's a missionary. Maybe the Lord's put your heart, is putting some pressure on your heart about being a missionary to a foreign land. Hey, just follow Him. Do it. Hey, maybe you know you need to be teaching in church here and helping with the children's ministry or being involved in something else. Just do it. Don't hold back. Don't make an excuse. Hey, maybe you, know, you need to be singing in the choir. Just do it. Right, Brother Glenn? Amen. Get using your talents. Get busy serving Him. Get serving in the church. Listen, no one has an excuse not to serve in the church. Everybody has a responsibility to serve. We're all part of the body. We all need to be active. We need to be working for Jesus Christ. 
We see Gideon's confirmation in verse 16. And the Lord said unto them, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. He reaffirms even after he's given the excuses. He tells him, Gideon, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to destroy the Midianites as if you were just a single man. In other words, he was going to use Gideon in a powerful, a wonderful, amazing, unbelievable way. All he has to do is follow God. Gideon, Gideon is still not ready to simply follow. He wants some more proof that he's really talking to who he thinks he is. He asked for a sign. And this won't be the last time he asked for a sign. Aren't you glad that God is patient with us? Gideon should have just done what the Lord told him, right? Amen? He should have done it. And so should we. Gideon's no better or worse than us. He's the same. When the Lord puts something on your heart, you should do it. You should follow Him. Verse 18, Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come. Gideon wants to make an offering to the Lord here. And the word present, you know, he's coming with something. He wants to present something with the Lord. And actually, it's a lot. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid, and unleavened cakes of ephedah, uh, ephod of flour and he fleshed, he put in a basket and he brought the broth in a pot and brought it unto him under the oak and presented it. So he prepares a goat. He makes cakes from a lot of flour. Okay, this is now a little tiny bit. This is a lot. I mean, we're talking pounds. Pounds and pounds of flour here used. And he brought broth. This was a sacrificial offering from a man whose family lived in poverty. Remember a few minutes ago I talked about that? I mean, it was, it was poverty. It was poverty. It was real poverty. And he, he finds this and he sacrificially gives it. It's amazing to see how God is working in the heart of Gideon already. When the angel of the Lord found him, he was hiding, trying to protect a small amount of grain. Now he's willing to give a huge meal. Gideon has reached a place where he's willing to yield the things that he cherishes. He's willing to give it up for the Lord. When Gideon presents his offerings, he's struck to the place upon a rock. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up a fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So he puts that on a rock. He does as he's told. And when he does, the, the Lord touches it with the end of his staff. It's burnt up, consumes the sacrifice. And receiving the sacrifice as it did, the Lord was teaching Gideon that everything was going to be all right. You can follow me. I'm, I am who I tell you I am. The Lord has used a staff to work his miracle. The staff was an instrument used by the shepherd, right? To help God protect, comfort the sheep. The Lord's telling Gideon that he would be with him, comfort him, control him, to protect him. As he leads, and as he leads him. It's a way of teaching Gideon that he need not fear where the Lord will lead him. For where God guides, he provides. Where he guides, he provides. This is also a sign that the Lord had accepted Gideon. This, this was an offering, and he accepted it, so Gideon's commissioned to go forward. And this is all a way of telling Gideon that he was going to use him, and use him in great and marvelous ways. If you want to be used of the Lord, just present yourself to Him and He will use you. 
If, if you're an individual believer here this morning, you're like, well, I really don't want to present myself, then you have a problem that you need to get to with the Lord with. He bought you, amen? You want to serve Him. You should want to serve Him. That's the right heart desire, to serve Him. Just present yourself to Him. His will is to make a, uh, uh, we, we should make an offering like Gideon that we'll just go forward for Him. Now, God's not interested in our goats, cakes, and broth. You'll say, well, pastor, I don't have any goats. I got some flour at home, but I don't have much broth either. We're not talking about the exact same things, okay? God is interested in us, and He wants us to place ourselves on the very altar and say, hey, I'll yield myself to your will. I'll yield to what you would have for us, for me. And when we do that, He can use us in ways that we cannot even imagine. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Those verses teach us by completely yielding ourselves to the Lord and recognizing His will, which is right and acceptable and pleasing. He'll, he'll use us. He'll, we're, we're instruments in His hand then that He can use and apply. We need to yield. We don't like to yield, do we? So we think we got it all figured out. We need to yield to the Lord. We need to follow what He has for us. Verse 22, And Gideon, and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel for the Lord, Lord for, of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Gideon recognizes who he's dealing with now. It took a while, eh? He finally figures it out. And when he does, he's filled with fear and he cries on the Lord like, Lord, uh, uh, help me! Speak peace! I mean, help me! And he, and he promises that Gideon will not die. He will use him. And Gideon builds an altar. And he worships the Lord. And he calls that place Jehovah Shalom, which is the Lord is our peace. The Lord our peace. You know what Gideon found when he submitted to God Almighty? He found peace. He found peace. When we submit, when we submit to what the Lord has for us, and what he did, he found sweet peace. He found a place of comfort. You know what? That still works today too, folks. If we will submit. Hey, if you want turmoil in your soul, if you want to have uh, nights of no sleep and days that are weary, just refuse what He wants you to do. If the Lord's called you to do something, you better do it. And He's called all of us to serve Him. You, you can't sit in your pew seat here today and say, well, pastor's just talking to those few individuals who the Lord's calling into full-time ministry. I'm definitely talking to them, but I'm talking to everybody. Because all of us have a responsibility to serve the Lord. And we need to yield to His will and way. We need to submit to His will and way. So I'm just not talking to those individuals, but those individuals, if they are here, and you don't follow the Lord's will, He's calling a full-time ministry, you will not have peace. You will have turmoil. Because you're not doing what God wants you to do. And listen, as individual believers, if we refuse to follow the Lord in our day-to-day living, you too will have turmoil. You too will have those dreary days. You want peace? 
You want joy? You want true happiness? I think everybody in the world wants all those things I just stated. Everybody does. You'll find it when you surrender to the Lord. Oh, I'm not saying you're not going to have problems. Nope. I'm not saying that, oh, pastor, I have all these problems. I'll come and surrender in a few moments when we have that invitation and all my problems will go away. No. But guess what? You'll have peace through those troubles. You'll have comfort from the Lord as you walk through that valley. Hey, why would you want to walk through that valley without the Lord? Surrender to Him. You might as well do what He's telling you to do, because you know what? God doesn't change His mind. He's not going to change His mind for you. He's going to keep on you. Have you ever seen that little one at the grocery store? Mom is there, and that little one wants some treat that's... Those guys, you know, chocolate bar people who put it right next to the cash, they're a sneaky bunch, aren't they? You know, your mom's got all this good food in that cart, and little Joey looks up, and he sees a Mars bar as big as his head, and he's like, I want that! And he's like, mom, 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 mom. And meanwhile, I'm behind him like, be quiet! I almost want to buy that bar for you! You know, and it's mom, mom, mom. And then mom's like, no. So often I see that chocolate bar go from there into the cars. Mom changed her mind because it was so insensitive. You know, I just want I want it, I want it, I want it. Not saying that's a good parenting rule either. I'm just giving you an example. Hey, you can bawl and cry your whole life. God's not going to change his mind. You just might as well follow him. Don't do it with spice. Do it happily. Lord, I'll follow you. Now, just looking from the outside in, it doesn't look like Gideon will amount to much to the Lord's work. Really? If, if we're going to do a, an examination, if we're going to do an evaluation of who he is and what he's done, we're like, no, Gideon will be a failure. Aren't we good at that as humans? Oh, my. In the flesh, we are very, very nasty people. He's fearful. He's timid. He's filled with self-doubt. He has more questions than he has answers. However, Gideon's being brought to a place of service. The Lord is willing to take Gideon just like he is and shape him and mold him to what he wants him to be. And we'll see that in the next few weeks as we go forward. What about you? What about you? Are you doing what the Lord wants you to do? Have you found that place of service? If you found that where the Lord wants you to do? Now, He saved you, he saved you and He wants you to serve Him. I just found out through the Bible that that's what He wants. Are you standing back, rather, and watching everybody else do their thing and you're trying to do your own thing? Are you fearful? Are you fearful of what the Lord is calling you to do? Are you afraid? Has He been calling you to do something you're holding back, making those excuses? No, no, I can't do that. I'm not good enough for that, Lord. I mean, i got my problems and I just can't do that. 
Hey, let me encourage you that today be the day where you throw up the flag of surrender. I'm done fighting against what God's called me to do or He's calling me to do. Just do what He says. Follow His will. And the first step in following God's will is to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? That's why He came. That's why that song was sung about the cross. He came to save each and every one of us. But we need to accept that gift of salvation. And if you're going to be a Gideon, that's the first step. Forsake all others. Trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. You're heading one way. You've repented that way. And you trust Jesus Christ. Amen? It's a change of direction. You're no longer following those gods, those things. And you follow Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. Follow His leading. Don't fight it. Oh, I understand. If God would have told Gideon everything, how He was going to do it, I think Gideon would have passed out. But isn't that the way our God works? He just gives you a little bit to help you grow a little bit more. Then He gives you a little bit more to grow a little bit more. You grow a little bit more. I'm a testimony of that right here standing before you. You know, when I graduated from Bible college almost 20 years ago, I would have never been able to pastor this church. Ah, but through life, through experience, through troubles, through trials, through the mountaintops, through the valleys, the Lord did it. And He's doing it in your life. If you do it in mine, He'll do it in yours. He'll do it in everybody's heart if we just follow Him. Be obedient to His voice.